I take uh, once a year or so, I take uh, a few weeks and I talk about an experience that I received just before my 18th birthday, a biblical experience that I did not know about as a child being raised in a Baptist church called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. This, this uh, experience revolutionized my life and I like to share it with people because it transformed me as a 17, almost 18 year old in 1976. So I've lived my whole life in the light of this experience. And so we've taken a few, in fact, we've taken the whole month of September, September 2nd, September 9th, September 16th, the 23rd, then today, we'll conclude today. And we've talked about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and, and how important it is for us as believers to receive. How many are glad that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help you in his absence? Is that cool? So Jesus was here with his disciples for three and a half years. And then, uh, and then he ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives as they watched him. And then right after that, uh, and, uh, they had a tremendous experience with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, and this is not in the notes, guys, John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. He lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I'll not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Is that good news? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't leave us by ourselves? And so the cool thing is, when Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit as a helper to help us in life. And uh, we've been talking about that for the last four weeks. This is the fifth week. And so John 16, Jesus said this to his disciples, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So, so we've been talking about the Holy Spirit's work in their life. And I often use a bottle as a, as an illustration of how the Holy Spirit works in a Christian's life. How many know when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you? And, and I use the example of water being in this water bottle as an example of when I'm born again, God puts a deposit, someone from him literally comes and takes up residence in me. How many know you're never by yourself? You may think you are. You may think the lights are out. Nobody sees, but God's always with you. Is that a cool thing? So the Holy Spirit's in us, synonymous with water being in this water bottle. What's the relationship this water has, this bottle has to water? It's in it. But what if I take this water bottle and sit it down in a big tub of water? What, and, and so what happens to the relationship this bottle has with water? It suddenly changes. Not only is water in it, water's around it, Right? So when you're baptized, that word means to immerse in. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, he's not only in you, but he consumes your life like water would consume this bottle and he makes a huge difference. So we've been talking about that. We've looked at the book of Acts, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Then also the apostle Paul received this experience the baptism with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 9. And we looked at all of the times in the book of Acts where the disciples received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we found some, some interesting things about that. We spent all these weeks talking about that. One of the things that happens with the baptism with the Holy Spirit is that it gives you a brand new way to pray. And actually the first week 
that we talked about this, I talked about three distinct things that happens when a believer receives the second work of the Holy Spirit called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The, uh, the, the number one thing is there's a new boldness that comes on your life. And I like to use the word supernatural. Everybody say super and then say natural. Then you put that, the, to, those two words together. It's a compound word. Super means above. Everybody say above. So supernatural. Now, what does supernatural mean? It means above your natural ability. So what I like to say is when the Holy Spirit comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, three supernatural things happen. Number one, there's an above the natural boldness that comes to be a witness. Jesus told the disciples in Acts 1, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses. So the power of God to be bold and be a bold witness for Jesus comes. We talked about that in weeks past. All of these are MP3s and MP4s on our website. You can listen if you weren't here. Second thing that happens, three things happen with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Second thing is there's a greater understanding of the Bible that comes. The, the, the Holy Spirit, how many know he authored the Bible? He inspired people to write as they were moved by him. And so if the author of the book lives inside of you, how many know he can reveal what he meant when he wrote it? It's really cool. So a supernatural, above the natural ability to understand the scriptures comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And along with that comes, I tell you, just a real hunger and a craving for spiritual things and really a craving to read the Bible. I was just really amazed as a 17-year-old boy. I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit on a Sunday, Sunday night, Monday morning. I mean, I just wanted to, I don't know, I just couldn't figure out all my life I'd been involved in church because my parents made me go. But for the first time, I just wanted to read the Bible. It's almost like I wanted to eat it. You know, I mean, it's, what's this thing? Uh, third thing that happened with the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a supernatural, above the natural ability to pray. How many can be honest and say, sometimes I'm really challenged with praying? Yes or no? Raise your hand if you've been challenged with praying. Now, now why is that? Well, well, well. You know, God is, God is a spirit. Jesus said God is a spirit. He's a spirit being. That means you can't see him. We live in the three-dimensional world, and, and God's here, but he's a spirit being, and, and you can't see him. So, so prayer, we're supposed to be talking to a person we can't see, you know, and, and we can't hear, and, and, you know, we can't feel all the time, but he's supposed to be listening and we're supposed to be carrying on a logical conversation with him. How many know that's challenging if you've never done that before? So how does that work out? So for me, as a young boy raised in church, I came to Jesus as an eight-year-old and then fell away from God completely my teenage years. And then uh, on a Sunday morning, September 12th, I gave my life back to Jesus after being away in just some awful, awful mess uh, came back to Jesus and then that Sunday night baptized with the Holy Spirit. And along with the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes a new way to pray. And it's praying where your spirit is talking to God who is a spirit without your mind being involved. Spirit to spirit communion with God. When I first heard about it, I said, man, that's really, that's really crazy. How can we do that? Well, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the disciples were there in an upper room it was a Jewish feast day, Pentecost. I've talked about it. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in another language. Modern translation says they spoke in other languages. The uh, King James translation calls it other tongues. That means other languages. And, and you'll find in the book of Acts, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10. It's all in the notes. 
Acts 19, it's in the past where I've been talking about it. Every person baptized with the Holy Spirit, the phenomenon of being able to speak in another language that you haven't learned and speak to the Lord in that language, it comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You know, you, you buy a shoe, so to speak, and you got a tongue in the shoe. Well, this experience comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. That is an ability to pray in another language. That came on me, and I'd never done that before. And I thought, that's really, really something. But it solved a problem I had because I always wanted to know how to pray and know I'm praying right. And then I found out as I pray in the Spirit, and here it's been 42 years, that was 1976, 42 years later, I've spent my whole life every day, taking some time every day to exercise that heavenly language God gives with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And y'all, all I can say is transform my life. So the last two Sundays, I've talked about 10 reasons that it's God's will for every believer to pray in the Spirit. And, and there's just so much to share. This is the last Sunday I'm gonna share it, and this is it. But uh, we spend in the last... Uh, two Sundays, third Sunday, talk about 10 reasons you should. I've gone over these reasons, uh, these, these first six past, these past Sundays. Number one, uh, it's the will of God for every believer to pray in the Spirit, and uh, we talked about why. Number two, it un- un- helps unseat the control the unrenewed mind exerts over your spiritual life. How many know we're all challenged when it comes to the Lord? Jesus said, if any man comes to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So there's got to be a self-denial where you put yourself last and put spiritual things first. How many besides me are kind of challenged with that? Well, praying in the spirit will help because what it does, it elevates the human spirit. We are spirit beings made in the image of God. When God made us, he created us to fellowship with him spirit to spirit. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, spirit to spirit, communion with God. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit. God gives you another ability once again, spirit to spirit, communion with God, praying in this language that you've never learned. Really, really awesome. And it uh, helps unseat the control your mind has over your life and helps the spirit nature move forward. Number three, we talked about this. uh, Praying in the spirit provides a way for you to pray about things you don't know about. Go, if you didn't hear that message, go back. I got a lot of things I share about that. You're talking about things when you're praying this way that your mind has no idea that you need to pray about and it can completely help life. We talked about that in great detail. Number four, praying in the spirit provides a way to charge yourself up spiritually. It provides a spiritual building up on the inside. I gave an illustration uh, last week of, you know, all of you wrote a, probably wrote a car or truck or something here and you have a motor there, that motor, when it turns on, has an alternator that has a belt on it. And when, the, and when the motor turns on, that alternator turns, and it brings an electric charge to the battery that starts your car. And every, as long as your motor's running, that battery's being charged, right? So, so in the same way, uh, that's what the Bible's talking about when it says, he who prays in the Spirit, prays in tongues, edifies, builds himself up. There's a spiritual charge. I spend time every day Praying in the Spirit, I spend time Sunday mornings. It builds me up. We talked about that. Number five, it provides a way for you to be refreshed spiritually. We talked about that. Number six, praying in the Spirit magnifies God in your life, makes Him bigger than the circumstances, makes you, it gives you an ability to believe what God said, that He can help me. I believe, how many believe God's big enough to help you in your mess? It magnifies God. We talked about that. And then today we start with this. 
Number seven, praying in the Spirit provides a way to offer praise and thanksgiving to God. Now, this is really, really cool and awesome. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says this, Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue or in another language pray that he may interpret. So he says, when you have this ability after you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord for the ability to know what you're saying. Often, I don't know what I'm saying when I'm doing this, but he says, when I do this, I'm, I'm offering also praise and thanksgiving to God. He says in verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding, my mind is unfruitful. Then he says, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit. I'll pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the spirit. I'll sing with the understanding. And so uh, then the next verse, he says, otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? Since he doesn't understand what you say, for indeed you give thanks well. Another way to thank God and just worship God is do it in the spirit. Now, I take time in my private life daily just about, and, and I thank God, and I, and I sing. Yeah, how many know you can sing in the spirit? And so sometimes I'll be listening to, a, you know, the songs that are so popularized in praise and worship now, and I have an app going in my vehicle or something. Sometimes I'll just sing that song, but not in my natural in that language. I'll, I'll sing in the Spirit. I'll sing, sing in that other language God gave me baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm giving thanks well. Is that good? And so he says you can do that. Number eight, how many know the baptism with the Holy Spirit and that ensuing ability to pray in the Spirit helps you control your tongue? How many could admit you need to control your tongue sometimes? How many know it's an unruly dude? How many can say your tongue sometimes gets out of whack? Yeah. Well, it says here, it can help you. James, half-brother of Jesus, James 3, said this, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone doesn't stumble in word, he's a perfect or mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. Then he goes on to say, I didn't write it in, the, uh, in my uh, notes here, but if you go on down in verse in James chapter 3, he compares the tongue, your words, to the uh, rudder of a ship. What happens to a ship? If you've got a little motorboat and you want to move it around the water, well, you've got a rudder in the back. You know, it's either the boat, the boat motor itself becomes the rudder, or if it's a big ship, it literally has a device called a rudder on the back. You turn that rudder, you, whatever, whichever way you turn that rudder, that's the way the ship goes in the ocean. And then uh, how many have ever ridden a horse? Yeah, it's a lot of us. Some of you going, ridden a horse, are you kidding me? <laughs> Well, if you ever put a bit in a horse's mouth, there's a, God, a place God put right in the back of the mouth for a bit bridle. You turn that bridle to turn the horse's body. He said, whatever you do with your words, you turn your life with your words. Yes or no? Now, isn't it cool with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? God gives you, uh, God wants to take control of your tongue if you allow him and let you speak a language that you've never learned. And in that sense, he can help you get a hold of your words and calm that mouth down. How many think that's kind of cool? And I can tell you my life over the past 42 years praying in the Spirit, it's helped me curb, it's helped me curb so many things. Some people vain, uh, speak vainly, that is, they talk only about themselves and their accomplishments. Other people gossip and talk about others, but how many know it's best to talk about the Lord? So what if you could have something that would allow your life, in your life, allow you to control your tongue for a period of time and give your tongue to God? If you can do that, you can. It can help you give your life to the Lord too. How many hear that? In fact, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so if that's true, then what your, how many know your life goes where your words go? 
I got a whole series I need to teach soon. I've taught this in the past. How many know your life goes where your words go? That didn't go over big. Your life goes where your words go. You never live beyond what you say. You never live beyond, never. Words are landmarks. From the time we're born until the time we leave this physical body, our words set landmarks and, and determine which way the course of our life goes. What if God can get a hold of your tree of life, your words, and then he can change your life? How many hear me? I've heard people over the years say this. Uh, let me just say this about praying in the Spirit and, and being baptized with the Holy Spirit, walking with God, having a prayer life. You don't do any of this uh, because you're perfect. How many get that? How many know God gives you stuff because we struggle with life, yes or no? And God gives us the baptism with the Holy Spirit because we struggle with life. How many can honestly say there are times I just struggle praying? How many just struggle sometimes walking with God? And here's what I've found in my life and in others' life. I've been in this a long time now, 42 years, is that sometimes you'll be walking with God for a long time and there's still an area of life that you are totally challenged with. How many can say that's, that's part of my life? Some people deal with pride. Other people deal with anger. Some people deal with a, a habitual you know, gossip, their mouth, their words are just a mess. Uh, other people have this self-consciousness, this, this idea that I'm not good enough for anything. And people deal with all kinds of things, both interior and exterior. People have problems. Here's what I found. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you'll spend some time praying in the Spirit, it so affects you inside that God will begin to deal with those areas that are just kind of out of order. And you know they're out of order. And he'll begin to put his thumb on it like, let's, let's work together and, and let's work towards working through this. I have seen this happen over and over and over again. It helps you control your tongue and what controls your mouth can also help control your life. Number nine, praying in the Spirit provides a way to pray God's perfect will. Now I'm going to stop right there. Coming right, I'm going to spend the rest of the time on that, but I'm going to look at number 10 next because I won't spend much time on it. Praying in the Spirit provides a doorway for other spiritual gifts to manifest in your life. Now, if you go read in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about spiritual gifts in that chapter of the New Testament. And he talks about nine spiritual gifts that operate in the lives of people who are baptized with the Holy Spirit. In fact, people think that Jesus just did what he did because he was the Son of God. No, Jesus had spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit manifest in his life as the Son of God. Jesus laid aside his God power and lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. How many hear me? Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do, and greater works than these you will do because I go into my Father. How many know that's cool? So, so the word of wisdom... That is, knowing things about the future, the word of knowledge, where God supernaturally gives a person an ability to know something that's happening, and they have no way of knowing it other than the Lord gave it to them. Discerning of spirits, seeing into the spirit world. You can see Jesus, you can see angels. Sometimes people see demonic forces. Sometimes people see God, the similitude of God sitting on his throne. We've had experience after experience, even in the Bible about that. Then there's gifts of healings. Uh, the gift of faith, the working of miracles. And then there's, there's different kinds of languages, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Nine spiritual gifts. Here's what I found. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more these gifts manifest in your life. The less you pray in the Spirit, the less they do. And a lot of believers don't do anything with a baptism with the Holy Spirit, even though they've received it, and they want God to do something bigger in their life. You've got to work with what God gave you. How many hear me? And you go back, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're sitting in here today and you're watching me, 
exercise that gift of being able to pray. So for me, let's talk about this a little bit. Being able to pray in the spirit has been a tremendous assist for me in life. And again, number nine, let's go back to that. Praying in the spirit provides a way to pray God's perfect will. How many believe, how many understand the best way to pray is to pray the will of God? Goes without saying, right? Jesus prayed in the Lord's prayer. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how many know the best thing is in every life, if God's will is done for your life, you have a blessed life. Yes? God's will's done in your life. You may go through challenges that you come out on the other side a better person. Yes or no? God's will's done in your life. He does, he does things that help you in your character and make you more like Jesus. So praying this way provides a way to pray God's perfect will. So Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought or should, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Then he uses the phrase with groanings, which cannot be uttered. If you would go back to the original language of Scripture, you could literally translate this with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech or in your regular kind of speech. Here he's talking about the ability the Holy Spirit gives a believer that's baptized with the Holy Spirit to pray in the Spirit. Groanings which cannot be uttered. That means it comes from the inside and it goes to the Father. He says here... We have a problem. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness. What is our weakness? We don't know how to pray effectively as we should. How many can honestly say at times you struggle with praying? Yes? Yes? I struggle with praying. Everybody struggles with praying. You know, I know we're supposed to pray according to the Word. How many know we can also be selfish in our praying? How many know, how many of you can be praying about yourself, be praying about things that God doesn't want you to get involved in? Because you're selfish. How many of you are praying for somebody else and you're putting your will on what you think ought to happen in their life? Is that true or not? We're all guilty of that at times. Here's a way to pray that you know you're praying unselfishly and you're praying according to the will of God. Notice what he says in verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind or will of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints, watch this, according to the will of God. You put those two verses together, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying according to the will of God. What better way to pray than to take my self-will out and pray the will of God? So you know what I often do? Somebody comes to my mind, I have it happen all the time. Lord, so-and-so's on my mind, they must need something. I don't know how I should pray for them. I'm gonna pray in the Spirit and I spend a little bit of time, I pray in the Spirit for that person. You might come to my mind. I pray in the Spirit. Some people, I don't even know their name, I see their face and I say, Lord, I pray for that person and I pray in the Spirit. While I'm praying in the Spirit, God will give me some things to pray in English. That's my natural language and I just pray that out too. And, and you find you cooperate with with the Lord. How many think that's kind of cool? So he says, he that searches the heart knows what the will of the Spirit is and makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And here's an often quoted verse, verse 28 of Romans 8. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work for, together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now we often quote that verse, all things work together for good to them that love God called according to his purpose. People say that all the time. Have you heard it before? Sure you have. Did you know that's out of context? It's true. 
No, the only reason that he said that is because they were doing the first two verses. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness. We don't know what we should pray for as we should, but the Spirit but the Spirit helps us with groanings that can't be uttered in articulate speech. Talk about praying in the Spirit. And he says, when you pray in the Spirit, God's searching your heart and you're praying according to the will of God. And then because you're praying in the Spirit, according to the will of God, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. You can't say things are going to work together for good unless you're praying according to the will of God for your life. How many hear me? That went over real big. How many hear me? Yeah, listen to Amplified, Romans eight twenty eight. We are sure to know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good. Is that good? I like that. Are fitting into a plan for good uh, to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. So, so things are fitting into a pattern and plan for good. If I'm taking time to pray... And I'm praying in the Spirit. How many get that? So I want to talk to you just for a few minutes. My personal experiences in life have been really dramatic for me. Let me say a few things about prayer. Prayer will always, to some degree, uh, be a challenge for all of us as long as we live in the earth and we can't see God. How many would agree with that? So you have to pray by faith. Now, let me. in my prayer life, I pray with it in English. And I pray also every day in the Spirit. I usually take about an hour or so a day, but let me tell you where I started. 42 years ago, I told you last week, I, 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 prayed, uh, I prayed a minute, two minutes, three minutes. And then I got uh, gradually a little bit more, a little bit lower, a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more. Until now, it's not hard for me to pray an hour and pray in the Spirit. That was a mental discipline. That was a natural discipline. My mind would think about go eating some fried chicken in the refrigerator, heating it up in the microwave. I think about five guys' burgers and fries. I'm thinking about some ice cream that Susan just bought, you know. And that's what your mind does when you're praying. But, you know, I had to say, no, shut up, body. And then I think about all the honey. I need to go fix that faucet. Got that door handle that's broken over there. Got this thing in the yard. And I need to cut my grass, you know. All this stuff, you got to push it out and just take some time to pray. So over the years, if you just work on it a little bit at a time, you can learn to discipline yourself to pray. How many get that? Well, praying in the Spirit. I just did it a few minutes. Now I've worked up, work your way up until I pray, you know, about an hour a day. That seems like a lot to a lot of people, but if you've done it for a long time, it's really not all that hard. You just discipline yourself. How many you get? Now let me tell you what's happened. I'm spending the rest of the time just a few minutes. I've had so many experiences I could sit here all day long and talk to you about how the Lord has worked in my life just by me praying in the Spirit every day. And it's not, doesn't make me, I mean, anybody can do this. It's not, it doesn't make you any, some great person. It just means that God's a great God working in and through your life. How many hear that? So, so here I am, 1984, I'm 25 years old, I'm a janitor in a church, I'm praying in the Spirit in my own private time. I don't know how long I was praying at the time, you know, I don't know if I'd have worked up quite to an hour then, but I prayed in the Spirit every day. Every morning I prayed in the Spirit, and you know what? Working at the church, I had a huge church, 5,000 people in it, lots of staff members, pastor, associate pastor. I'm going to church, and, and, and January of that year, January of that year, the associate pastor, George Moss, who's been here a long time ago, I looked at him one day when I got to work and, and, and something inside me, let me tell you how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit, how many know he speaks to you where he is? He's inside of you. He's not in your head. He's not in your arm. He's not in your foot. He's in your spirit, the core of you inside. And he speaks by an impression, an inter intuition, an inner knowing. How many hear me? 
So, so, and it floats up as little words, but they're so subtle, you can hardly hear them. And you got to get quiet. You know, a lot of people don't hear from the Lord because they don't get quiet enough to hear from the Lord. And you got to get your mind quiet. Samuel, when he was a little boy, he heard a still, small voice. It was the voice of the Lord. And how many know you get your mind, praying in the Spirit helps you get your mind quiet. Well, I'd pray in the Spirit and when I got my mind quiet, I heard, and here I saw George Moss, the associate pastor, and I heard when I saw him, I was 25-year-old, he's the associate pastor of this big gargantuan church. And I looked at him and I heard, you're going to have his job. Oh, my Jesus, man. What? You're going to have his job. What? What? And every time I looked at him, you're going to have his job. You're going to have, inside, you're going to have his job. The <laughs> more I pray in the spirit, the more I got, I told Susan, something's wrong with me, pray for me, I'm full of pride. Because I keep hearing, I'm going to have this. Something I told my best friend, we went to work out, jog. I said, pray for me. I'm full of pride. And he worked at the church too. I said, you know, I got this impression. We'll have George Mott, the associate pastor, so something wrong. Seven months later, y'all, the pastor called me. I was on vacation. I was in South Carolina. He's in Oklahoma. I was on vacation. He said, George Moss just resigned. I want you to take part of his job. I said, oh, geez. I got it seven months before. How cool is that? You know, you have those kind of experiences. You figure out there is really is a God. The Holy Spirit is a, a real person. He really does know everything. How many hear me? Fast forward to 1993. I'm in Florence, South Carolina, my hometown. I'm pastoring a church, guy's church for him. It's a long story that I don't have time to tell, except this guy took a missionary endeavor for one year and moved his whole family to Latvia. Carl Morris in Florence, South Carolina, Abundant Life Church. I had attended his church, make a long story short. I'm pastoring his church for him. He's on the other side of the world in Europe. I'm here, and, and he's starting to come back. He's going to come back. He left in January 93. He's coming back in January 94. It's November of 1993. And how many, listen to this, God knows everything you're thinking. Now, this will help some of you. God doesn't speak King James English. When God speaks, he speaks your language. He'll even use your little slang expressions, not bad ones. He'll just, he'll speak to you the way you think. Did you know that? So, and how many know, he knows everything you think. And so God doesn't have to go into this big old, no, he just speak a few words, and they're right here. So you got to get practical. And if you'll pray in the Spirit and take some time to pray, and a lot of people, you got God speaking, and you don't even know it's Him. Sometimes people have physical problems. I'll get into it now. And God's saying, cut down on how much food you eat. Stop going to Bojangles five times a week. Or stop eating 10 hamburgers a week. Or whatever, you know what I'm saying. And you're not listening. And he's trying to ward off some problems that you're going to have in your... Or get your hind end out there and exercise. Now, he might not say it that way. He'll say exercise. He spoke to me in my early 20s, and he said, for the rest of your life, exercise. I'm not making that up. You know why I exercise? Because he told me to. I'm doing that out of obedience to God. And I've been, I've been doing it for all these years. Since, since 1983, I've been exercising a lot. Because he told me to. He just spoke to me. So, Surahim 1993, and, 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 and I know the pastor's coming back. My mind's thinking, well, what am I going to do? I'm pastoring this guy's church for him. How many know Jesus said, how can God, if you can't be faithful over that which is another man's, Luke 10, 12, 
How can you be trusted with that which is your own? I spent a whole year pastoring another guy's church for him and gave it back to him better than it was when, he gave, when I took it and pastored for him. So he's coming back. I'm wondering what in the world, well, what am I going to do? And I'm praying in the spirit the second Tuesday of November, 1993. And I hear three words right here, just three, because God knows how you're thinking and what you think. Already existing church. That's all I heard. I said, what in the world? And see, as the weeks went on and the months went on, that already existing church turned into, God's gonna, God, I'm going to open up for you a church that is already in existence that needs a pastor. That's what, and you know what happened? Six months later, May of 1994, the pastor had already come back. It's May 16th, 1994. I don't know how I remember all these dates. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm in my office. The pastor of the church had come back. He's pastoring his church, Carl. His name, Carl Mars. And uh, I looked at him and said, Carl, I got to tell you something. For six months I've been praying, and as I'm praying, I hear these words, already existing church. And I said, there's somewhere in the world a church that needs a pastor, so I'm not going to be here. I don't know how long, but, but I'm going to go pastor a church somewhere in the world that exists. And he says, stay here as long as you want. I said, well, thank you. And you know what? You know what? Five months later, I'm here. Five months later, I find out May 16th, 1994, the pastor that was here was dismissed. That's the very day I told him. You know, those are more than coincidences. Those are God moments. How many hear me? How many hear me? 2001, we're in a shopping center. I could tell you stories, y'all. I could tell you stories the rest of the day. I'm not kidding. We're in a shopping center in 2001. We've been renting it for six years. We need more room. We're busting at the seams. We have nowhere to go. We bought land on Aversboro Road. Y'all have seen our old building over there. We were there for 11 years. Here I am, and, and a bank has said, we're going to help you with financing the building, yada, yada, yada. And the bank gave me a really nice Christmas present. December 24th, 2001. The bank called me, no kidding, the day before Christmas and said, look, we've, uh, we've promised to loan you money. We can't do it yet. And I had already got the steel bought. We had already felled the trees. We had already done work on the land. And man, I got to pay for a building that's coming in the next, in 30 days. I said, Father God, thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. I said, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. So, uh, I got to praying, and while I was praying in the Spirit one day, here's what I got, yellow pages. Now, before the Internet, how many know you looked up stuff on the yellow pages? I got the word yellow pages. I said, what? Because I had a problem. The bank said, well, we can't loan you the money because we need to work with the builder that you have, and you need to do something, got to tweak it a little bit somehow. I said, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to do so I prayed in the Spirit. While I'm praying in the Spirit on a Friday, I hear the word yellow pages. I said, what? And how many remember the yellow pages? If you're old as I am, you remember yellow. And they're real thick. And I opened up the yellow pages and I went to builders and I found, I found a name under churches building. I found a name and he's one of my board members now. His name's Robert Knowles. I didn't know him. I said, well, look at that. Look at. So I tore it out of the yellow pages and laid it on my desk. I promise. I said, well, it's Friday. I'm not going to do anything with it until Monday. So, so Tuesday, Monday, I got out. I called the bank. I said, man, y'all got to talk to me. You said you can't loan me the money. What's this? I said, I got to meet with y'all. So I met with the executive vice president of that bank. I met him at his office at, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I uh, took all my little stuff, my little portfolio of information about our church. He looked over all that and said, well, look at there. 
And he said, I'll tell you what. And I'm not making this up. Now, I've been praying. I've been praying this. He said, I'm going to tell you one thing. I got a man I know. If you can get this man on your side, you got all the money you need for my bank. I said, well, what's his name? He said, Robert Knowles. I liked to fell on the floor. I promise. I told him, and, and, and you know what? He called Robert, and, and less than an hour, 55 minutes later, Robert's sitting in my office in, my, in, in the shopping center, and we made a deal. Now, you know, I could sit here every, all day and tell you about experiences I've had. Just praying in the Spirit, it affects your life, y'all. It affects everything. Now, I'm a pastor. If I wasn't a pastor and I'm just, I'm just working, I got a business or I got a job and I got children and I got a wife or I got a spouse, if you're a lady, you got a husband, whatever, and I got stuff I'm doing, how many know God wants to get involved in what you're doing? And if you'll pray in the Spirit, you'll pray out the will of God and all things will begin to work together for good for you. Okay, good. So uh, I'm almost done, but I, I just got you to get this. Listen, if you'll spend some time fellowshipping with the Lord, praying in the Spirit, the intricate details of life will begin to fall in place. Now, I could again sit here all day long and then go in through the night. And, and I have so many instances of just praying, praying in the Spirit by myself, praying with my un- in English, praying in the Spirit. And then things just work out. Things that I've prayed about, somebody will say something, something will happen, I go... Well, God, I didn't even realize, but that come up inside me. These words come up inside, and I just, you know, I have these kinds of experiences I just explained. Those are just two or three of them, but I got, I got so many, y'all. And I just want to encourage you. God wants to get involved in what you're doing. So many times you're, you're in the middle of something, and you don't know what to do. How many have been there? don't know what to do about this problem on your job, this problem in your marriage, this issue with your child, this financial thing. Lord, I don't know what to do. I promise you, if you'll take some time and get with God and pray and say, God, I need your help. I don't know what to do with this, this, and this, and this, but I need your help. And if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit. And you know what happens if you just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Eventually, Eventually, something inside, you'll have a word come up, an impression to do something, to be something, to, something will happen. And you know what? If you'll follow that, God will solve your problems. How many here? Now, let me talk about prayer a little bit. Most of the people, you go read the book of Acts, go read through the Gospels, then you think, wow, these people had outstandingly crazy, wonderful, wonderful lives. And miracles are happening all the time. Did you know most of the time life was boring for them? You read about miracles in the book of Acts. You've got years that pass in the narrative. So let me tell you about how life really is. Most of the time when I pray, i got to gut it out like we all do. And most of the time, like right now, you get dry mouth. i got to get me some water. So I pray with some And most of the time, you feel nothing. Most of the time, you can't even sense the presence of God. How many hear me? But every once in a while, the spout where the glory comes out is right here. And that makes up for all of the lean times. How many hear me? A lot of times you don't feel like anything's happening. But here's the key. If you're a plotter, if you just keep doing the same thing day after 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 month after week after year after... Things begin to happen, y'all. And us Americans want a microwave life and it doesn't work that way. You're thinking, well, God's just going to instantly, just forget it. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be a plodder. It's the plodder that's successful in life. How many hear me? 
I've been plodding now for 42 years. You know, that farmer, I'm about done. That farmer, guess what? He's got to get up, milk the cow, feed the chickens, slop the hogs. He's got to get out there, plow the field, do the stuff day after day. It's not fun. He's dirty. He's tired. He goes to bed late. He gets up early, but he's got to do what he knows to do. But one day, harvest comes. One day, he's eating some pork chop. One day, he's eating a corn, some corn on the cob. You get me? But see, we want the blessing, but we do nothing to get it. If you do nothing, you get nothing. That's good preaching, sister. It's true. Do nothing. You, so you got to do something, y'all. I promise you, most of my life is just boring sometimes. But you just keep doing what you know to do. And you know, you just, I got something I'm doing today. I'm taking a trip to my hometown because of what I'm just saying. I was praying. And I just had this impression. And then somebody made contact with me. And I can't even tell you what it is. But I have a meeting all based on I've been praying. And then somebody made contact with me. And they don't even know their contact's a God thing. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I have amazing things happen enough. It's like, I'm going to keep doing this. Because the track record is God is always good. So if you've got challenges, look, I feel you. Some of you challenge. You're so aggravated. Your marriage, you ain't happy. You ain't satisfied got problems with your children okay you got problems with your money you got problems in your body I don't know what I'm going to do pray seek God get baptized with the Holy Spirit pray in the Spirit y'all I'm telling you there is a, a place of life that you get into a flow it's like you get into God's flow God's river then all things begin to work together for good to them that love God how many hear me no Ezekiel Ezekiel was at 47. Ezekiel saw the, the river in the throne of God. Uh, the river was ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, waters to swim in. And, and you know, you get out in deep water in the river and that river's moving like some of the water has here recently. You know what? You don't tell the river where you're going. It tells you where you are going. And that's what happens when you get into the river of prayer, the river of fellowship with God, the river of praying in the spirit. You get into God's great big scheme. And life begins to be a flow. I'm telling you, sometimes you hit juggernauts. You don't know what to do. You don't know which direction to go. Just don't quit. I'm speaking to somebody today. Don't stop what you're doing. And don't think that God's not concerned, but you've got to pay a price in prayer. You never live beyond your prayers. I mean, hear me. Life can be an amazing journey. I might write a book called The Amazing Journey. Let's just talk about it. It's just cool, y'all. It's just amazing. But be practical.